Hello, and welcome to Better Betting. Here are your hosts, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill, and the ruler of the replays, Eric Rubin. Hey, and welcome to Better Betting. My name is Eric Rubin, and I'm here with my partner, the King of Timonium, Gary Quill. GQ, how be you? Doing okay, Eric. We're finally uh, into the days of summer. Summertime's here, summer horse racing. Still have the last leg of the Triple Crown to go uh, with the Belmont in your backyard. So it looks like the cast of characters are slowly assembling. It looks like maybe your girlfriend, Nest, might be uh, taking on the boys, no? Yeah, I'm, I'm terrible. I didn't really look too much at the field, but yeah, I saw Ness is a probable. <laughs> I'll worry about it when the, the PPs come out. I'm not a big race guy, so probably shouldn't do, say that being a podcast co-host here, but you know, we'll take a look. I like uh, all the people who said you can't close and win the Derby. You got to be closer on the pace. Got proven wrong, and I'm hearing the same uh, things about the Belmont Stakes, and maybe people realize every race is different. If they go really fast, you can close. If they don't, you can't. So, so eventually people will learn that, but anyway. People love trends. They, they jump on a trend and statistics, and that's what their handicapping model has become, not just looking at the PPs. So mm-hmm. they'll learn one day. Maybe, maybe we'll, we'll bring them all into their, our inner circle of handicapping and uh, do that. But uh, you're, this might, has the potential to be one of our quickest podcasts <laughs> Because we're reversing roles because you're feeling underweather. Now, I don't know if that's because the Rangers continue to advance in the standing cup playoffs or something else. So what, what's, what is it? Uh, well, that, that is tearing my heart apart. As you can see, it crumbling, knowing that they're going to win the cup this year is disgusting. But I have to live with it. And it's a shame because, I mean, they did what they had to do. They took out Crosby and uh, they won a series they weren't going to. And. Now it's just fate that they're winning the uh, Stanley Cup. So kind of sucks. Hockey will not be the same ever again. Uh, I might not come out of my apartment for a few months after that. But uh, other than that, the only good thing is I'm no longer married. And I was married to a family of Ranger fans, like big time. So I don't have to hear it. Uh, they'll probably text me anyway now, but if they win. But <laughs> if I was still married, I'd be hearing it every single day right now. Um, yeah, I remember going to... Uh, my ex-wife's aunt's house said to be about five years ago, now six years ago. And the Rangers had gotten pretty far. Maybe it was even seven years ago. And I think they were in the semifinals. Pretty sure. Same, same uh, thing here. And I think they lost to the Canadians in that. Or maybe they beat them. I don't remember. But I remember going to her aunt's house. There was like 20 families. She had a huge family. And they're all in their Ranger gear rooting. And of course, I don't have a Canadian shirt, but I brought Molson Triple X because they played at the Molson Center. So that was what I brought to the party and drank. But. Uh, I think the Rangers won anyway, but yeah, no, I'm a little under the weather, so I'm talking a lot now, but I'm going to let you handle a lot of the show. I'll, I'll chime in because I, unfortunately, I actually have strong opinions here, so I want to say some things, but uh, if I didn't have strong opinions, I kind of just sit back. So we'll see if they're good opinions, but I'll, I'll let you take the reins. You can talk to Brian for a, a few moments, our guest, and uh, when you're ready to start the races, let me know and, and I'll chime in. Oh, and I'll, I, I'll give you kudos. Um, Anyone who follows both myself and Eric on Twitter may have caught. Uh, Eric has a hot thing going on Saturday uh, at uh, Belmont that he really likes. It's his one of his horses of the years. And 
whenever he has really liked the horse in the past, the horse doesn't disappoint. So he now has the latest hot thing. And he couldn't wait for the morning line to come out. So he's asking their David Aragona, you know, can I get a sneak peek at the morning line? So he coerced me into trying to guess what the morning line would be. And Eric uh, did the same. And surprisingly, we were amazingly close. I mean, out of the six horses, four of them, we had the same exact morning line. And we differed on two of them. And fortunately for you, or unfortunately for you, <laughs> what you suspected on your horse, uh, uh, David uh, concurred and the odds were lower than what my morning line was. So yes. it, it, if we're talking fixed odds, you would definitely jump on my morning line. I was going to say one reason we have Brian on this week is because <laughs> um, I'm being a little selfish. I'm heading down to Monmouth this weekend. So I figured, eh. We're going to be covering Belmont and Saratoga all the time now with big races coming. So why not do Monmouth uh, for the weekend since I'm going to be there? And they do have fixed odds. So I was hoping that you would be the fixed odds maker. I think it's only on the Monmouth races, unfortunately. But if you're giving me seven to two on the source of Belmont, boy, I would have sunk my teeth into that one. But uh, when you ask Brian about the fixed odds, I'll, I'll, uh, if you don't ask questions that I want to hear, I'll ask him he knows about it because I got to see how much cash I'm supposed to bring because I assume I have to pay cash for this. Not right, so, the ADW, so, so should we not reveal your horse so that all of our listeners don't kill the price? Oh no, it's fine. Bad I when he really it's nothing doesn't special. go up at seven to five. Or yeah, she? it's nothing special. It's the Penine Ridge, who, if Chuck Simon, uh, recent guest, is listening to this show, <laughs> uh, will be very upset that the race is called the Penine Ridge because for some reason he has a thing against Penine Ridge. Having a race name there. Hey, an integrated stakes race. Yes, he claims he's the 239th best turf horse in Belmont in the last 30 <laughs> years. And I, I I don't remember the horse that well. I looked it up on Equibase. The horse finished his career running in a lot of claiming races, but and I don't think won any graded stakes. Maybe he did win one or two early. I didn't go back that far. But uh yes, so it's in the Penine Ridge race nine. And again, it's nothing clever. It's the seven unanimous consent. I was actually with GQ at Laurel on April 23rd, our friend Nick Spencer was there and I had an awful weekend. And this was the one horse I said, I don't think this horse could lose. And it was like five to two morning light. And I ended up going off three to two or something. It wasn't a good price, but I mean, one for fun. Wasn't the toughest field. This has got a couple tougher horses and there's no pace, which worries me being a closer, but I don't see this horse losing. And I said, I think this is a, you know, a monster in the making, kind of like my uh, mystic guide before everyone knew mystic guide, oh, yeah. my, uh, the one thing, nice thing you said about me, I picked some nice horses here and there when they're just starting out, but I picked this before the last race or, or so. So I get a little back credit if he wins again today, but again, eight to five, nothing special. So I have a single in the early pick five. I like too. So should I reveal that real quick? What the heck? Yeah. Belmont race four. I don't like giving out just horses. Cause we like to talk why we like them, but people can check up on how well I did. Uh, number two in race four is three to one morning line, but uh, at Belmont not far now. Uh, I don't see that one losing either. So those are my two singles, one in the early, one in the late pick five. Anyway, okay. so. All right, so without further ado, uh, we will bring in this week's podcast guest, friend of uh, the show, as they love to say, <laughs> good friend of the show, second time appearance. He, he joins a, a short list of second time appearances on the Better Bay podcast. Welcome back. The Pharaoh rules himself, Brian Letke. Hello, guys. 
Good to be back for round number two. Yeah, well, lucky for you, um, for whatever reason. Oh, well, Eric said, why? He's going to Mammoth, so he figured, yeah, why not? Let's do Mammoth. And um, you're the perfect guest to have on for Mammoth. Uh, so I know, um, and anyone on Twitter, which is the majority of our listeners are on Twitter, um, no, Brian's outspoken <laughs> or, you know, and hey, all the power to him. And he, you know, he takes the punches and, and gives them right back. And uh, last year during the post-COVID uh, meet at, at Monmouth, there were a lot of changes, not a lot of good things happening. He was very vocal. But so far this year, things seem to be a little better. So Brian... You've been there at least uh, one or two days so far. Give us uh, uh, what's going on at Mama so far this year and anything good this year. Yeah, so I think the first thing that comes to mind is they're actually listening to the fans. You know, there were a lot of complaints over the last uh, couple of years, but particularly last year because it didn't seem like COVID was all that bad. By the time and, and most of those rules were starting to go by the wayside by the time the the meet came around, uh, but they they uh, banned coolers so this way you couldn't bring in cooler or uh, water food like you used to go to be able to go to the picnic area. Mm-hmm. It'd be very family friendly. You'd see the smoke coming from the grills out there, and all that was missing the last two years, and it really. Was, almost was kind of a downer going there. You know, I, I remember I've been going to Monmouth my whole life and it's always been a great positive experience, but you know, the last couple of years, it wasn't like that. Uh, they weren't really putting any TLC into the place, you know, even small things like planting flower boxes in the part here, you know, they, they yeah. just didn't do any of that. And it just seemed like they didn't really care all that much. Um, and, and plus there was the whole wit controversy. But that wasn't Mom's fault. That was the New Jersey Racing Commission that wanted a basically a, a damn near total wit ban. Uh, <laughs> but fast forward to 2022, coolers are back. The picnic area is teeming again. There's life out there. Uh, they've they've not too many capital improvements, but enough to show that they're caring. Uh, the field sizes have been good. Favorites are only winning at 25 percent. There's no track bias. The track's been playing pretty much fairly, which kind of goes against the historical norm of, of being a speed highway. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's prices galore. Horsemen are responding now that Navarro and service are finally gone. You know, that's, that's why the favorites are not winning. And that's all the the <laughs> Yep. So it, it, it and now with this fixed odds uh, betting coming back, they got new infield tote board. There's a lot of changes that are mostly positive this year. Um, and it actually feels happy to be going back there and watching the races again to have uh, some pride about Monmouth Park that unfortunately was missing the last couple of years. But I, I feel like we're we're starting to get some of the old Monmouth Park back. Cool. Sounds great. I know I, I want to say it may have even been opening day or maybe, you know, opening weekend. Like the first race, um, horse won by, you know, it, it, it was close. It was a nose or whatever. 
but then there was a dead heat for like third. And when the horses came back, the, the new board just said dead heat. So the guy who lost by nose thought he, he was in the dead heat. And they, they parade him into the winner's circle as well. It's like, what? what's going on? They didn't specifically say what the dead heat was for. So yeah. it's kind of comical. They've had some trouble like for the first couple of weeks on how to present new information on that video board. You know, it wasn't really that well organized, but I think they've worked out some of the kinks now, although I haven't been in a, a couple of weeks. So I'll be able to look more into that on, on Saturday, but yeah, I, th I think they got that worked out. Cool. So uh, you would mentioned fix odds made, made its debut again. Um, and just recently, they're looking to bring back uh, exchange wagering. Now, both are only offered on races at Monmouth. Are both also only um, on track? Or if you're in New Jersey, you can do fixed odds and or exchange wagering by, by your ADW? Well, focus on the fixed odds part. Okay. That's the one that that's, you know, kind of set in stone. So you have to be on track at Monmouth and, but there are certain tellers for fixed odds. They're in a certain area, right when you first walk into the grandstand, there's about maybe four or five of them. And then they have signs saying fixed odds right over it. And they also have uh, video screens above the tellers that show you uh, for what the, odds. what the odds are. Right. So you, but I think in the clubhouse, I'm not sure if there's one other part, but those are the only places where you could actually bet the fixed odds. There's no app or, or anything, okay. but they are really promoting the heck out of this uh, on everything. Um, you know, they're marketing, they're, they're, they're really trying to hammer this home, which is what they didn't do for exchange wagering. Right. It seemed like most of the promotion for exchange rate wagering was largely through TVG. Um, there wasn't a whole lot of information out there available for any casual fans, unlike fixed odds, which they're trying to market to anybody who, who walks through those doors. Sure. Well, and, and the, the thing is, both of them are great, um, you know, marketing tools for the product. I just wish there was a way. And of course, you know, it's all about regulation and that kind of stuff that outside of the state of New Jersey, people could participate because it's hard to gauge the popularity of something when you can only pull from a finite number of people in one jurisdiction. And I'm glad that they're giving exchange wagering a, a second shot because it's wildly um, popular in Europe and um, they just need to you know, expand it, get more people involved because it's kind of hard when you don't have a big pool of people who are looking for at least four to one on a horse that uh, it, they're they're seeing on the tote board. It's two to one. You know, some idiot like myself would be willing to say, "No, I don't think that horse has a shot." So I'll give you four to one. You know, so so they and you know, I've said on this uh, podcast many a times. I can pick out horses that can't win better than I can pick out horses that can win. So I'd be a big player in the exchange wagering. Yeah, um, no, I loved exchange wagering when it came out the first time, but there just wasn't enough people playing it. You know, there wasn't right. as big of a market. 
And yep. you could bet on other tracks besides Mammoth, but it was usually the lower level tracks like Mountaineer. I knew <laughs> you could always bet exchange wagering on Mountaineer, <laughs> you know, Penn National, you know, the, the those type tracks. Wow. Um, and I think fixed odds uh, eventually. I think Dennis Drazen, who's the um, operator of Mammoth Park, I think he wants to expand fixed odds to other tracks as well. But of course, it's going to be like the same type you know lower level tracks that are willing to get any type of money coming their way and it's tougher to get some of the bigger tracks uh in because they all everybody wants their piece of the pie not only the track level but also the legislative level in respect to states and that's the big hurdle for expanding this sure It, it, it seems like uh this year a lot of different tracks are getting on the mandatory payout bandwagon typically that never used to happen until the end of a meet or whenever a track felt like giving it out now it seems like every other week you know there's a track that's having a mandatory payout for their jackpot um is there any rumblings have you heard anything about mammoth or they plan on doing anything like that uh prior to you know the end of the meet you mean uh, a mandatory payout? Yeah, a mandatory payout for any jackpot. Where am I totally yeah, off? They, well, they have a, they do have a twenty cent jackpot pick six. Okay. Right. It's not, it's not, not the pick five or anything, but it, it is a pick six. It's called the Jersey Shore six. Right. And that's your usual, you know, fifteen percent takeout, unless you know <laughs> the, you have the single ticket and all. You know, they they got one of those. But but I guess my question is, is you haven't heard anything that maybe like halfway through the summer, they'll say, OK, Sunday, we got mandatory payout. Oh, no, I don't I don't even recall them doing that in the past. I think they just uh, okay. either somebody has a single ticket or until, you know, the meet's over with. But I don't you know. We're, oh, yeah. Hey, there's enough money in the pool. Let's have a mandatory payout. I don't think Mammoth really does that. There's enough money that's bet on the pick four and pick five that are both 15 percent that I think, you know, negates the need for yeah. have kind of a mandatory payout on the pick six. Well, and, you know, that that you just answered why Eric's going to Mammoth. The uh, takeout is in the team. So uh, that's music to his ears. Um, so speaking of Eric, uh, Eric, uh, before uh, Brian and I take over the handicapping portion of the, the program, do you, you, you have anything to, to ask uh, Brian about? Uh, no, I think we're good to uh, get started. He answered the questions on the fixed odds wagering. I just got to decide if I want to bring like cash or not. So I shouldn't say anything though, because if anyone's listening, they'll come mug me at the track, but if I'm carrying cash, so no, I'm not bringing any cash anyone. You're, you're one of those guys who go to a track, but don't bet at their windows. Well, when they start giving me rebates, I'll bet at their windows. That's all. <laughs> they blew it by not, by allowing the ADWs to exist and keep all the money. It sucks, but. Well, maybe while you're there, you can get better futures on the Rangers in order to uh, cash in on your misery. Or for a small price, I could put a a wager on the Rangers to win the Stanley Cup, and that'll guarantee that they won't win. So it's up to you. Well, then please do that. All All right. right. Yeah, get started. You're running the show here, so go ahead. Without further ado, uh, we're going to go through Saturday's Mammoth late pick five, which starts on race eight. And race eight is a uh, 
12,500 claimer for non-winners of uh, one in a year, which is, is stupid because I hate this. All tracks have, have done this, and I'm going to go off on a tangent for a second here. You know, the little where it tells you what the condition is, it'll say claiming 12,500 N1, meaning non-winners of one, Y, which is supposed to indicate a year. At some point in time in the past, if it was six months, they would have a 6M, okay? Well, the, if you read the condition, it actually says for three-year-olds and up, which have not won a race since December 4th. Damn, I didn't know we were in Dece December already in 2022. So this is not just Mammoth. This is across racing. Why in the hell do they call the condition nine winners are one in a year when it's only six months? Okay. Anybody have an answer for me? No? No, it's confusing though when you're studying the PPs and you see like, we've talked about this before, you see like the letter B, 5,000 B. Oh yeah. That's you don't really know worst. what it means. So it makes it a lot harder to handicap the levels of the races. So I, I do not like it. So I'm, I'm with you on that. Right. Yeah. The All B right. is kind of a catch-all because a yeah. lot of they, it means different things at different tracks among different conditions. And it could yeah. be anything they want to throw in there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and which makes it hard after that race, when, you know, when that race is now on line three of uh, horses, you know, PPs, it could have been uh, for three-year-olds or four-year-olds and up nine winners of three. And that, you know, that horse uh, ran over its head because it was a nine winner or two. Anyway, uh, we'll get uh, move forward. So it's a six for a long race. And Brian, as our guest, as we always like to do, we'd like to defer to you. And I'll just open the floor to you, whoever you wish to talk about. Yeah, now, I'll just say that this is a really good pick five sequence that I think is going to pay. And give it, and the, the first leg here is so wide open. Uh, I feel, even though it's only a seven horse field, I would feel comfortable spreading here. Uh, I, there are only two horses that I can really definitively toss, and those are the two and the four. Um, the five, Cactus Jack, Frank Russo, uh, did pretty darn good over the Memorial Day weekend. Um, you can't really count him out. The thing is, this horse is stepping up uh, significantly in class uh, to meet some, uh, some of his peers in here. So I'd be tempted to throw him out just uh, from a class standpoint. Uh, but if you're not really much of a class handicapper, just because Frank Russo's hot, eh, go ahead and throw him in. But I really cannot separate the one, three, six, and seven. Um, regarding the six, Arcadia calls, Gerald Bennett is also on heater. I think he won like three or four races over the weekend. You know, with, with just about anything he throws out there. And he's winning at 26% uh, from 19 starts so far. So, and, and he's stepping down in class. So you got to throw him in there. Uh, as far as Bonnie Lucas is concerned, uh, with the three Binkster and the seven high five cotton, uh, Bonnie Lucas is the exact same thing as Wayne Potts. It's uh, who Wayne Potts is on suspension right now. And Bonnie Lucas is uh, his girlfriend. So basically just assume that Wayne Potts is training these horses and in the lower level claiming races at Monmouth, that that's where he dominates. You know, Binkster's two for two at Monmouth. 
high five cotton the seven is is also taking a, a big drop down in class uh so you really can't you know leave them out and then as for the number one mojack cat um chuck Spina, i think is ready to get this one ready off a layoff just won a ten thousand non-winners of four lifetime on november 23rd hasn't raced since then uh which fits the condition perfectly so uh yeah those are my thoughts on, and, and a great work to have for him too so those are my thoughts on rate uh first leg yeah it, uh it's funny i uh i wound up just settling on on one horse so i think uh in this pick five i'll probably just single this horse and then that way when he loses i can go move on to the pick four <laughs> you know i i i don't i don't do those what do they call them upside down pyramid uh tickets where it's like oh i want to be alive you know so uh, well guess what that's exactly how i'm structuring this thing. <laughs> uh, we're gonna take opposite approaches here <laughs> well that's okay uh hey but you know what that that's what makes horse racing and that's what makes horse players and that's why every horse isn't one to nine because we all have different opinions and we all read things differently and my single is the one horse, Mojack Mo Cat, eight to one. And the, the, it's not that I think he towers over everybody. It's just that he fits the, 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 the condition perfectly, as you said, Brian. And they take advantage, Chuck Spina takes advantage of the waiver because he's been off for that long enough period. He doesn't have to be in for the tag. So that tells you the horses, you know, they still like the horse. Uh, you know, he's a five-year-old who's won four times. And I think there's, you know, he, he, he doesn't need the lead. Yomar Torres gets back on him. He's been on him in, in the past. Uh, you know, he, he just fits the mold of, of this race. And, you know, the, the others, you, you made valid points on, on the other three that, that, that you like and, and who, who's involved. But just, you know, I, in this particular type of race where, you know, you have the hasn't won in six, you know, six months, I go back and look at each horse. When did they last win? And, uh, you know, your, your, your point on Bingster well, he's coming off a win, but the condition says if if, if they are in for eight thousand or less, it doesn't uh, uh, is isn't part of the condition. So that's why he's available. And you know he's he's uh, you know two for two at Mama, so obviously he likes to track or has just been uh, you know positioned very well. So uh, the fact that um, I like how Mojack Cat. Uh, comes into this race off of the layoff. As you said, the work tab has been, you know, very, very good. Just uh, nice, consistent leading up to uh, this race. And, uh, you know, I, you, you got to take a stand somewhere. So I'd rather take, take my swing early. And if I'm out, you know, I don't have to go for the uh, Tums later on as I'm sweating out my single in the fourth or fifth leg, uh, and I can just move on with my handicapping. So uh, the one Mojack Cat uh, in, uh, you know, 
the waiver, so he can't be um, claimed. So I'm I'm going with the one. So Eric, uh, who did we not mention that you're into here? Before I start, is it still Thursday? Holy cow! And you say I talk a lot. Wow, oh, very impressive. That was good job, GQ. <laughs> All right. We're in trouble. I'm, I'm combining both of your ideas here. Brian says he can't really tell the difference between four horses, I think, or five of them. Um, I can't tell between three of them. Uh, I do not like Binkster. The three, I just felt he's gotten great closing setups in the last three starts, uh, last two starts. So I usually play against horses who have great setups. I don't know, small tick up in class, but uh, that does not even the reason why I just feel he's gotten a good setup. So I'm against the three Binkster. He can win, but not with my money. Uh, and I like the one, six, seven, uh, Mojack cat, the one, eight to one, Arcadia calls a six, three to one and the seven high five cotton five to two, who you guys have mentioned already. And the way I play is if I like three horses, I'm going to lean on the, the bigger price. So if the morning line is right, I would lean like GQ is on Mojack cat. Doesn't mean I'll single, but I might press with that horse. Uh, he, his last race is a lot better than it looks. He actually got two separate duels in one Mojack Cat. Dueled a seven to two shot early, who came in last. So he put him away. And then a four to five shot, uh, who came in fifth. And a seven to one shot, who came in third. So he basically had two or three different duels. So that was very impressive. I don't know if it was against that much, but it was impressive. So uh, I'll give him the slight nod. And uh, the six horse, you haven't really talked much about Arcadia Calls, other than say you guys like him. My only concern is his last race. Two back at Tampa on March 16th, he ran a dynamite race. He dueled a one-to-five shot the whole way around, and they were way ahead of everyone else. I was impressed. It was against a, a tougher field than this. Last race, I guess it was against a tougher field. I'll give him the excuse. But other than that is, um, you know, he really had a, a good trip. So I don't know. They're dropping him, but he might just be better than these. And the seven high-five cut you guys have spoken a lot about, but it's two-back race. Doesn't say it, but he got stuck in the stretch. Oh, I'm sorry, he got stuck on the turn, and he was right up close. He was getting a perfect turn. Then he got shuffled back towards the rear and had it coming around. So that was actually a little better than it looks, I think, his two-back race. In the last race, he got up to a two-length slow start. It was sloppy. It was against a little better, as Brian mentioned. So I can forgive the last race or upgrade a little bit, maybe because of the slow start. So those three, I mean, six and seven are probably the two best horses, but I would take a step at the one also. So those are my three in this race, one, six, seven. Back to you, GQ. Wonderful. All right, so we're moving on to Lake Two, the race nine, which is a five furlong event on the turf for maidens. Uh, Thirty thousand dollars is the claiming tag, a purse of twenty five thousand. And uh, so, Brian, uh, who do you like? Well, I'll start off with a horse that I don't like. How's that? Okay. Uh, we'll start with one of my mammoth nemesis horses, and that is number two, more than a conqueror. I have wasted quite a bit of money on this horse over the last uh, couple of years. Um, I remember in his uh, first race that uh, July uh, 26th at Monmouth, you know, going way back on the PPs, uh, he jumped uh, shadow in that race and still came on and, and got shuffled back and still came on to run second. So my uncle and I are thinking, boy, this horse is certainly going to win down the line, right? And uh, here we are nine starts later. I even needed him for uh, – uh, I had a, a pick four single two races oh. later where he got beat by Wolf and Hawk. And from that point on, I'm like, all right, this horse is never going to win again. <laughs> Almost did on October 2nd uh, at the Meadowlands in the 25,000 maiden claimer where he was second by a neck to Beach Warrior who uh, just – 
uh, won on Monday, I believe, at Monmouth uh, in a 16,000 non-winners to lifetime claimer where that horse went wire to wire. Uh, he also ran against um, he's pure gold uh, for back. That horse just went to take a uh, non-winners of two optional claimer on uh, at Monmouth uh, over the weekend. So the class lines are pretty good for this horse. I just don't think he's ever going to get in the winner's circle. And he's going to be probably seven to two. And I'm just going to, instead of betting him every time, I'm going to start taking a stand against him. <laughs> But so now we got that out of the way. So GQ, we got to bet him on Saturday, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, wait, your your point is well taken uh, on on the two. But I mean, it, I think the morning line odds maker has given up on him as well because he's got him eight to one morning line. Uh, but no, you've saved a lot of money after your grief the first couple times out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But uh, I went with the three, five, eight, and ten in here. Um, you know, Jerry Hollendorfer. This horse is uh, taking a step down in class for Amity Road, the number three. Trying turf for the first time has a really good work tab. You know, I'm worried about the five percent first on grass percentage, but uh, Hollendorfer has been uh, running pretty hot lately, and, and I'm not so sure I want to leave uh, that horse off my tickets. Uh, the five, Mr. Extension, tried uh, sprinting on turf twice, uh, once earlier this year, once last August at Gulfstream, both in maiden special races. Uh, now drops down to 30,000, has a, uh, a bullet workout uh, on May 21st in Monmouth. So I added that one. Kingdom Warrior, every uh, Monmouth horse player knows very well how uh, John Stevens does on turf. Uh, his only try on turf was thrown to the wolves as a first time <laughs> starter in the now, now, now stakes, which is Mohammed's Breeders' Cup prep for the uh, juvenile turf. Uh, why he chose to do that, I don't know, where he got killed by 41 lengths and hasn't tried turf since then. Uh, and also hasn't run since uh, September of 2021. So, which that was a very key race that he uh, came out of. Granted, he got killed, but still the, the first, sure, at least the first three uh, finishers came back to win. And he's now a four-year-old. So uh, I'll definitely give him a shot on the class drop with John Stevens on the turf. Can't leave him off. And I also threw in the number 10, Destiny Joy, a first-time starter uh, by Cantheros. Uh, I tend to like Cantheros uh, as a, a bit of a turf sprint sire. Uh, I think he's, uh, and he's 20 to 1 on the morning line. So I thought, eh, why not take a shot? But, you know, I, I'm not really confident uh, all that much in this race. It, it is truly wide open, and you can really make a case for, for most of these. Yeah, definitely. Uh... And as you said, you can look at each one of these and make a case for or against each one. Uh, one that I'm going to, as you started out, one I don't like, I'll start it off there. Um, the one, I make the rules, another first-time starter, uh, seven to two morning line, has a nice work tab, but it's uh, one of Mr. Eric's major red flags 
Here's a horse that uh, a year ago was purchased for 130,000 and they're willing to put him in for a $30,000 tag his first time out. So yeah, Paco's on him. Paco is the Irad of the Jersey Shore and he could be on a billy goat and he'll take money. So I'm sure that that's why. So I will definitely take a stand against the one. I make the rules uh, first time uh, asking based on on those uh the horse that i gravitated to was the seven ready to fly six to one morning line hasn't showed much of anything it looks like you know kind of in in three lifetime races has been a plotter all six furlongs on the dirt but uh you know i always go back to more than ready you know it's a, the sire is verrazano whose sire was more than ready i automatically have to put two bucks on a more, uh, anything that has more than ready in their bloodlines. And I think the horse is going to move forward first time on the turf. And um, one of your favorite wink, wink uh, mammoth trainers, Patrick McBurney uh, <laughs> puts the saddle on him this time around. Uh, I totally agree with you on, on the, the eight kingdom warrior. I, I love the fact when a horse, especially they try them on the turf the first time um, or, you know, they enter them on the turf and the, and the race is taken off the turf. That shows me that, the, you know, they, they, they have high hopes for them. And as you said, you know, they just throw them to the wolves. And he, the two races that he ran his two-year-old career, maybe it was just immature or something went amiss in that second race when they just ran on the dirt. He's come back. And, uh, when he was three, ran a little better. Maybe something else happened to him, but he's mature. And, I, you know, I trust John Stevens that uh, now is the time to uh, get this guy on the turf and uh, have a legitimate shot. Kind of shy away from the, the nine to two, but I guess the morning line maker, knowing John Stevens' uh, history, uh, that, that that's the that's why the horse is nine to two. Uh other than that, um, I'll just mention the six. The six has some big-time turf pedigree, uh, even though the, the trainer doesn't do that well. But the, the knock that I have on the six is that um, the turf pedigree was going long. I'm talking mile plus, mile and a half. His uh, granddam was Louvre Royale. Love the turf and won graded stakes and over in France. So maybe uh, this five furlongs it is too short for her, or I'm sorry, him. But uh, uh, I, I like I like the seven, the eight, maybe the six underneath, and uh, throw the two underneath. But so just for my pick five, I would just go seven, eight, Eric. All right. Nice research there on the six. I did some of my own, so you brought it up, which was excellent. Uh, the only thing is the six, Victor's Valley, and his run okay or shown speed going shorter. So I, I, don't, I wouldn't worry about the distance too much there. Uh, needs a price. So I'm throwing that horse in the six in my pick five. This is a race where the morning line's tough to make. I just expected the three to be a shorter morning line. I still think he'll go off shorter. Um, I mean, best speed figure. I know it's on dirt. The trainer who wins a lot, who's on fire, is uh, 
as Brian mentioned, uh, Jockey's on fire. Just, I, I think the three is going to be a very short price here. And I was prepared to play against him in the short price at four to one, though. I don't know if I'm going to play against him. Uh, this is a three Amity Road. He ran a really good race last time on the dirt. Uh, he got a 60 buyer, which is the top in the field. I said, although it's on dirt. And he, he got in a three way duel early where the two horses he dueled came in last. They just kind of walked home nine to two in a long shot, 21 to one. But, you know, putting away nine to two shots at the back of the pack, that, that took a lot of talent to do that and speed to do that. So, and he's bred on the, the dad side for, uh, for some turf street boss is pretty good. So at, at four to one, I'd probably even think about singling the three, even though I was playing against because Hollendorfer is six for 109 and a 76 ROI. Um, what is that stat? So, uh, first first time on the turf. Yeah. First turf, six for 109 last five years. 76 ROI on the turf. That might be in sprints, but I think that's all turf races. So I'm not a big stats guy. If you get four to one, I'm going to town. If I get two to one or eight to five, I have to make a decision. But if he takes the turf, he's the best horse here. Um, the other horse I like, Brian mentioned, but I don't love. These are race I don't have a good feel about. Is a five, Mr. Extension. First race on the chart was as a two-year-old. He got a 51 buyer. No real excuse, though. But the only thing is, he wasn't two-year-old in August. So that 51 buyer is not that bad for a two-year-old in August at this level. His next race, uh, he, you know, Brian mentioned how the Stevens horse on the outside got thrown to the Monsters. Um, this horse, Mr. Extension, that February 19th race, the second start on the turf, was coming off about a six-month layoff. He ran against Big Invasion, Capture the Time. These horses came back to run high 80s and mid to high 90s buyers right at that time. I think Big Invasion got 90 buyer in that race even. So he was running against kind of monster, I mean, horses that would lap these horses if they, uh, you know, if it was a circle uh, five far along. So Mr. Extension, just out of sheer class relief here, has a chance. So he's gone against weaker, but, uh, you know, class relief. But that was on the dirt and he might be better on the turf. So I- I'm think I even thought about singling him. So I think three and five, I might be able to sneak through this race. Uh, however... I want to throw in some prizes. You guys talked about them, so I won't. The six, seven, eight would be the three prices I would throw in, but the eight's not really a price. Seven's not a huge price. So, uh, but those three uh, who have not been on the turf other than the eight kingdom warrior, Brian mentioned that first turf start. So uh, I'm not going to add to it. You, you mentioned the breeding stuff, things that I had written down. So um, I, I'm basically three, five, the odds are what they are on the morning line. And I'll probably throw in the six, seven, eight. Uh, so three, five, six, seven, eight would be my deep race here in this sequence. I'm done. Right. <clears throat> I'm going to take a stand against the three. <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking he would be eight to five, and I was going to take a stand against. But if he's the best horse in the race, in my opinion, the only question is the surface. His dad's good with uh, with turf horses. So at four to one, I can't. I just don't think he'll be four to one. But good thing is we'll see the double, and I'll see what he's going off at, you know, roughly in the uh, probables. And, you know, if he's a short price, I'll probably just spread without him. And if he's a, a you know, decent price, then I'll either – go too deep with him in the five or, or, you know, still spread. So the odds are going to depend a lot on that, but definitely has a shot. And, and just to quickly throw in, Oh, I was going to say Brian's two horse more than a conqueror. He doesn't like um, his last race was the first one. We had that class relief and I will say he saved ground that race and he was not going by. So Brian mentioned he might not want to win. They could have ran another, you know, 16th. <laughs> he was not going by that horse. So maybe there is, I'm not a big believer in horses don't like to win, but in this case, maybe there's something to it. So I'm not saying he can't win GQ said, maybe put him underneath the two, but he's not bad. He fits. I, I just don't want him in the pick five. If he wins, you know, he beats me. Oh, he's absolutely a, a use underneath and exotics, like for exactly and trifectas. Yeah. You have to put him underneath, but absolutely not in the win spot. 
Right. So uh, not definitely not in any horizontal. Uh, yeah, just the the one thing about M- Amity Road, other than a three year old first time in versus older, uh, I I look back. Brad Cox had it, it was a homebred. They ran him for fifty, and so Hollendorfer and Horonis, another big time owner, jumped in and claimed the horse. It came back, took him long, and the horse just you know had nothing. And then they come back at six furlongs. He, he, he showed speed and, and then kind of gave it up. So I think maybe the five furlongs versus the turf will, will be his friend. It, it, he just screams of possibly having a breathing issue. And, you well, know, five, five furlongs is probably going to be where he's at. And hopefully he takes to the turf and. So they'll have a turf sprinter on their hands. It's possible, but I said last year, he got in a really, really fast duel last race. I know it looks like he was ahead by a lot, but he had to really work for that, and he put away the other horses. So his last race, if he doesn't get in that duel, there's a good chance he either hangs on or comes very close to winning that race. He was as good as anyone. So um, I, I, you might be right. I don't know. It can't hurt, I guess, but I, I wouldn't worry about the distance or you know whatever for him, even with six furlongs. All right. All right. So we'll move on to leg three, race 10, which is a state bred optional claimer, $15,000, non winners of one other than, which you got to love Jersey and Mammoth. I mean, a $15,000 claiming race for a $75,000 purse. I mean, there was a horse last weekend. I think I even mentioned it to you, Brian. Um, I think the horse's name was Rose of a Saint. It was a Jersey bred running in open company on the turf, ran fourth. I mean, like, I w- with all the Jersey bred money, I would have claimed that horse for 15 and would have just rode the rest of the summer with this horse in, in state breads for this kind of money. Uh, TK didn't think so. So, <laughs> but that's another uh, story. So, Okay, so this is uh, six furlongs, state bred jersey, three-year-olds and up, which have never won a race other than maiden, claim, starter, or have never won two races, or claiming uh, 15000 Brian, tell us who you like or don't like. Uh, the jersey breds used to be the bane of my existence for much of my hor- early horse playing career, but in the last few years, I've started to come around on them little by little, and, and now I actually kind of like them a bit. <laughs> um, start off with uh, who is more than likely the best horse in the race, number one, Smithwick Spice. You know, really hasn't been getting, you know, hasn't been disgraced at all in, in open company. Um, you know, he, he took uh, that he wanted this level uh, last August uh, actually went through a, you know, 45 half mile and, and stopped the timer at one ten and two, which is pretty darn fast for Jersey breads. Um, and he already got a, a race in uh, off the layoff and an open optional claiming 16. Uh, so now he steps back down to Jersey breads with a bullet work on May 29th. So I think, uh, he's ready to go. The number two come uh, on the come up uh, went through a also went through a blistering pace in that last race. They went 45 and three and uh, 58 uh, for five furlongs uh, and really wasn't disgraced at all. He, he hung in there. 
just got beat for second by uh, the number three country miles who really had a perfect trip. All he had to do was just sit back and last. And he came right up the rail. The, the red sea opened up for him like it did for rich strike in the Derby. And, you know, he, he really did get kind of the, the perfect setup that day to run second, but on the come up did, uh, did all the dirty work there. And the winner, uh, last romance, uh, was, uh, did really good in, um, in open company. And, uh, that horse is just kind, kind of a, a bit of a world beater <laughs> against this level anyway. So no shame in losing by, uh, seven lengths, uh, to him. Uh, actually that horse last romance was uh, stakes placed at Laurel, uh, was also even money, uh, in that last race, uh, where they also went one tenant too. So I think for a second off the layoff, I'd uh, look for on the come up to be uh, a little bit sharper. Uh, maybe could, could last a little bit longer. I'm not the biggest Patricia Farrell fan this year, although she did win with uh, Beach Warrior. So I guess she's off the schneid. So I guess I can't totally keep playing against her. Um, and then the other one I'll mention is the number six counterfeit currency, uh, who is likely to be uh, sitting off the pace and then making that run. Uh, if they go fast enough, uh, this horse will be rolling at the end and uh, could probably definitely pick up the pieces, if not win the race. And you, you look at, at counterfeit currency and country miles. They're both very similar horses, but I think counterfeit currency is the better horse. Um, you notice uh, three back, that August 29th race that I mentioned before. Uh, this horse had to be, was not totally rushed up, but it was in tight on the backstretch, had to shuffle back a bit and go wide and um, Country Miles caught up to him. So those two were neck and neck coming into the stretch, down the, uh, the home stretch and counterfeit currency would not let Country Miles by. And I think that's also likely to be the case here as well. So I'm willing to throw out Country Miles and I just went with the uh, one, three and... Uh, six. One, two, six. One, two, six. All right, my bad. One, two, six. Thank you. Well, Eric will be happy. I didn't, really don't have to say much because uh, two of the three horses you mentioned, uh, they're the ones that I wound up settling on here. Uh, the one horse, Smithwick Spice, six to one. I mean, I'll take that all day. This is a horse that if you look back the last time he had a layoff between September uh, 2020 and then August of 2021 you take those three races the, the race just prior to the layoff and then the next two they kind of set up equal with the uh, his last two races one before the layoff so and then the third race which is this one coming up is the one that Brian alluded to where he went gate to wire and uh, in in a very nice time with a, with a nice speed figure, and I I like horses in this particular case. You know we have eight horses in this race. Six of them have never beat winners. The only two who have beaten winners are number one Smith Smithwick Spice, easy for you to say, and uh, the eight horse uh, Shield of Faith. I like Smithwick Spice better because of the reasons that Brian gave, which I just pointed out. And the other horse that I kind of like as well is the six horse counterfeit currency. I like the fact that he does well in these state bred conditions. 
Yeah, he is, he's never won. It's only four times on a fast track, but uh, twice second. I don't think he's the type that, that's a hanger. Um, but uh, if, if you're going to play a horse that has never beat uh, winners before, I'd go with uh, counterfeit currency. So um, I'll, I'll go one six in this leg of the pick five in race 10. Uh, Eric? We're in trouble because I don't see Uh-oh. it as much differently. So that means we're, we're eating a lot of chalk here. Probably that's the only bad thing. So, but yeah, no, but it, but, it, but it, it's not chalk. That's the thing. But it will be if we like them. And <laughs> everyone else is going to do the same. So I mean, Country Miles Brian said got you know great setup last time, and he was eleven to one. Why is he going to be seven to two now off a great setup? I don't think he's going to be that short price. He's never been below like it's five ninety, but six to one. You know, probably not that strong a race. Two back and. I guess once at this level, he was five to two uh, last year, but that was coming off of a, a pretty good race. So uh, anyway, yeah, I don't have much to add. Definitely, like Brian said, the May 8th race, a bunch of these are coming out of. You want on the come up out of that race because the pace was pretty strong. There was a little fight there. DRF has an S, like it favored speed, but that letter is so ridiculous. They print that. I've talked about that before. He's the horse out of that, not to mention he was off a layoff, so he should improve. And you guys said the one the one couldn't run in this uh, race a couple weeks ago, right, May 8th, because it was an allowance race, and he was not eligible, as Brian said, he won at this level um, last year in August. But this one is the optional claimer, so now they can drop for the tag. And I assume they want to win if they're dropping for the tag here, because like I said, they could keep him, uh, you know, as a jersey bread and, and pick up some checks elsewhere maybe. But so, you know, I think he'll be tough. And the one, two would be my top two picks. I, I might cut the six just because of the price. Uh, if I don't have enough prices elsewhere, I go one, two, but I love to throw in the six, two for reasons you guys mentioned, maybe, you know, the layoff, he's not uh, fully cranked up. I don't know, but I like Derek Ryan a lot. I didn't look up his layoff numbers. Plus now he's a four-year-old, so he could be improved from last year. So if he's ready, he'll be tough too. So, but you guys did a good job covering it. So that's what I'm on one, two, and maybe the six. Well, he ran so a layoff uh, last year um, in, a, in uh, a Jersey bread allowance from November 28th to May 29th. He went and set the pace, and he only lost by a head. Uh, so that leads me to think that, hey, maybe uh, Lightning will strike twice. Maybe he'll be cranked here uh, as well. Yeah, no, I said I w- I'd like to use him. I just, if I'm using the three chalks, I don't know if I want to go, you know, kind of like ABC, the three chalks. But, I mean, based on the morning line, I'm not, I guess. I'm using uh, A, B, and what is that, D, the, the fourth choice or something like that, with the one fifth choice. I just can't see the one being that big a price. But we shall see. So, so, so as you said, as you said, we're in trouble when all when all three of us see it the same way. That means something else is definitely going to win. Yeah, I'm hoping one of those horses scratches so I can I can use the other <laughs> two, and then it'll make me feel better. But we'll see. Hopefully, the uh, three doesn't scratch or anyone else that might take a little money. Yep. Okay, so uh, that was that was nice. That 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 helped uh, with our time. <laughs> might be we might we might. We might be down an hour and a half. I don't know. Uh, uh, race 11 is leg four of the late pick five at Mammoth. We have the six furlong Mr. Prospector, $100,000 Mr. Prospector stakes for three-year-olds and up going six furlongs. Brian, give us your take on this race. Boy, what a good betting race. It's totally wide open, nine-horse field. Hard to separate a lot of these. But for me, it really came down to uh, pace. Now, I mentioned 
earlier that Monmouth tends to play a little bit more fairly this time around this year than in the past, where if you went to the lead, you, you, you went around. Um, that kind of changed on uh, just this past Memorial Day. Uh, I think that's because the sun was beating down on the track for, for three days and it might have you know had been a little more speed favoring. But we just got some rain last night and a little bit just came through today and with a little more on the way, which means I think it'll revert to the way the track is played for most of the meet up to Memorial Day, which are either stalkers or mid-pack types. Now, you can win from on the lead if you're the best horse. Uh, but if there's a duel going on, chances are somebody's going to pick you up from either just sitting off of you or behind. So that's why I'm going to probably toss quite a few horses in here that otherwise would probably have a big shot. Uh, I think there's going to be a duel up front uh, between, so I'm tossing the number one quick tempo because I think he's just going to go out, he's going to be pressed, and then he's going to crash and burn um, along with, you know, Hollywood Jet, the number nine here, is a real wild card. So he's been beating up on optional claimers and allowance horses down at parks. He's on a seven race winning streak. You know, usually these horses can, you know, chip in, get brave and keep on going. But I think with the presence of the one in here, the, these two were equally fast early. Um, I think they're just going to, to run each other into the ground. So uh, for horses from off the pace that I like, um, I like the, uh, the two drafted, um, I like, uh, who has two, uh, grade three wins. So the horse certainly fits on class and the horse is late pace numbers on Brisnet are excellent. So he's definitely going to be able to, to take advantage of, uh, what I expect to be a hot pace. You have Greeley and Ben, who's, uh, one of those fan favorites of mine. I love the races at Oaklawn. He, he's ran pretty darn good there uh, this winter, was not disgraced in the grade three uh, Whitmore, uh, just got claimed by uh, Bonnie Lugas, <coughs> Wayne Potts. Um, <laughs> so I, I like his chances as well, um, as well as Doc Amster, uh, another one who will be rolling late, uh, Chantal Sutherland, who I can't remember the last time she rode at Monmouth. Uh, comes in here to ride uh, to ride this horse for Jorge Delgado. Uh, so I like that one as well. And then did I miss somebody? Oh yeah, and I missed the number four River Dog. Kelly Breen has been pretty sneaky this meet when he's stepping up in class. Not so much dropping down in class, but stepping horses up in class. Uh, this horse comes off a uh, two-race win streak. Um, I think this horse is rounding into form uh, back um, toward what the early three-year-old form was, uh, running in New York Red Stakes. Um, and I don't think he necessarily needs the lead. or He shouldn't be on the lead because of what's going to happen between the one and the nine here. Um, and with, with Paco aboard, uh, you know, Kelly Breen already surprised in the um, – the Miss Liberty stakes with whimsical muse at 25 to one. So it's not out of the ordinary for him to jump up, maybe win this one at uh, a decent price. So that's why I went with the two, three, four, and seven in Mr. Prospector.
So you're you're definitely all over the pace meltdown theory, and yes. uh, so, someone will will come off the pace. Well, I'm with you. The track profile, the way Bomet has played so far this season, for the most part. Sure. No. Uh, great. Great insight on exactly how it's been playing, and uh, the possibility of how it will play uh, on Saturday. And you know, I I agree with everything you said. Uh, so looking at the horse that could probably make the best of uh, a pace meltdown. I went with the three Greeley and Ben. It's just consistent, um, you know, coming off of the claim. Uh, what else are you going to do? You know, you uh, come, coming in from Oak Lawn to, to Monmouth, uh, I'm sure they had this race in mind when, when they claimed the horse back in, in late April. So uh, I'm sure they're working right up to uh, this, even though, uh, shows one uh, a muddy track uh, official work uh, on the training track. Uh, the, uh, the 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 horse that is still interesting to me from from speed is I can't believe I'm saying this is is the horse on the outside Hollywood Jet. Uh, it, it goes against all logic in that, like you said. The two fastest horses in the race are bookends of the field. You know, the one is going to have the shortest distance between two points. He's got the rail trip where Hollywood Jet is on the far outside. And he's going to have to cut cut over. So he's going to have to cover more ground than, than quick tempo. But even with that said, I'm, I, I've made crazier plays. If for whatever reason – uh, speed does hold. I'm going to say that uh, Hollywood Jet uh, making his uh, way from Parks with Luis Ocasio uh, coming along for the ride, his only mount, will uh, put in their best uh, effort. And, uh, you know, yeah, as you said, he's been beaten up on Lesser, but uh, three, three races back. He was in a hundred thousand dollar stakes and went gate to wire. Mm, who did he beat? I don't know, but the horse that ran second came back to win. So he's just not a uh, oh beaten up on on others. He's always well backed. It'll be interesting if he really does go off at six to six to one in here. Yeah, the waters are deeper, but um, six to one. Um, if, if that's the case, I I take a flyer that he could uh, get get the the. Um, jump on everybody and, and go gate the wire. So uh, I'm on three nine here. Eric, please say something different. <laughs> well, definitely <laughs> I will. Uh, I don't. I don't necessarily see it the way you guys see it. It's like a wide open. Well, I don't know if GQ does. I know Brian said it's kind of wide open, and uh, I don't know if GQ said it's wide open because he only picked no. two horses, so maybe he didn't. Uh, I just think there's two horses that are the two best horses in the race at this point in their careers, and they're going to get a good setup. So. With no scratches, uh, meaning if the one and nine don't scratch, maybe the five, four doesn't scratch, and you get some pace. Um, first of all, I think drafted is is just better than most of these. I don't know who this jockey is because there's a lot of Rodriguez's. I don't think it's Luis Ca- Rodriguez Castro coming over from Belmont, although it might be. I'm not really sure, but it doesn't look like it. So if any of you have insight into Luis or L.A. Rodriguez, feel free to uh, share. Well, the, the fact that, David Dugan is a uh, Belmont trainer. Is he New York guy, yeah. Well, Irishman, yeah. but yeah, New York trainer, and, base trainer. And, and 
Luis Rodriguez uh, has won uh, three out of eight times riding for him over the past year. So maybe he is the, the New York jock. Yeah, and, I mean, who's, you know, capable. I, I'm not a big jockey guy anyway. Maybe it'll help my price. But I mean, the horse is running against better horses. been graded stakes raised. I actually like in the Carter, come on, Speaker's Corner is, is you know, 10 times better than these horses. Uh, and then he finally got the class relief, if you want to call it that, in the run happy, you know, field that was as good or better than this. And he won. Um, I, I didn't even think the race favored uh, closer. I think, if anything, being up front helped. Chateau always coughs it up. But the other stalkers all stayed. It was just drafted close. He was the best horse in the race. I think that was a better race. I know the figure didn't come up huge. So if you're strictly looking at speed figures, he might not look like a standout. But I just think he's better than these. And he's going to get the pace scenario. So um, I'm big on drafted. But, and I don't have a single in this sequence now. I'm, I'm really waiting for scratches and hoping I get helped maybe in this race. And the other horse that actually none of you mentioned, so uh, I guess that's a good sign for the price maybe, is the six, Milton the Monster. This is a horse where I know he has that hundred buyer speed figure. So it makes it, you know, it hurts his price when people see that. If it was even a 99, his price would be better. And who knows if that was an aberration or a, you know, misfigure there. But he ran very well, I thought, in the stymie. Uh, in that race, he uh, stalked the one to two shot who won the race. Green lights go. Um, I like when they kind of do some dirty work and held okay. It wasn't like a race fell apart, but I thought he ran fine in that race. That was going a mile, maybe. Yeah, I mean, he's run well going long, so I shouldn't say can't go the distance. But uh, And then two back at Laurel. Now he was two to five, so he probably wasn't in the toughest field, but he ran well. He you know, it was a three-way duel, and you know, the other horses, one faded, one held. Uh, four to one held second, and five to one kind of faded to sixth out of seven. It was against weaker. He got a good speed figure, though. And I think it's a horse who, shortening up, can sit. It's a horse I've been kind of high on. I remember David Aragona. I don't think that was when he was on our show, but it might've been April 30th, but he was excited to see the horse on the turf. He thought he'd take to the turf being out of Jack Milton. And um, I didn't even watch the replay of the turf race. Obviously he didn't have much success, but it was a tough, actually it wasn't the toughest field, but it was a stakes race at least. So but I'll toss that turf race. I, I think he's got a good shot here at eight to one. So um, I kind of wish he wasn't in the race. I can just single drafted, but uh, I'm on the two six here. I'm not going any deeper. I wouldn't be shocked if another horse won. They're decent, but I think those two are the best horses and they both should come off the pace well. So two, six for me, uh, trying to get through race 11. Yeah, awesome. On the six here is that if you look at his speed figures, he really, at least on Brisnet, he really takes a jump up when it's on a sloppy field surface. I think this horse is primarily a mud horse. If I, if, if it wasn't for that, I probably would be including him as well, but I really think he's, uh, um, uh, mud track specialist it's possible based on his record and all and, and he's got better speed figures but like for me that stymie three back on a dry track was as good as his last race at laurel that was on a, a sealed track so you could be right but uh you know i'm getting a decent price here if i can get eight to one or something like that so i'm okay with it again I, I gotta find a single so i might just choose to single one of these two and hope i guess right with the two or the six but uh you yeah, know i hear your argument if it was three to one i'd, I'd agree with you but um you know we'll see we'll find out all right, so let's go to the uh, nightcap, last leg of the pick, late pick five, race 12 at Monmouth Park, one mile and one sixteenth on the turf, an open 12-5 claimer for three-year-olds and up, and I love open claimers because horses come from many different 
you know, other open uh, claiming events, you know, non-winners of one other than, you know, the, the famous 12-5 Bs, whatever. So uh, sometimes you can really find a, a diamond in the rough. Brian, I think this is where your single might come in. You would be correct with that. <laughs> um, you know, there are two horses that I am afraid of, but I'll get to them second uh, because my single is going to be the number seven miracle of silver for one reason and one reason only. Pace makes the race. This race is looks to be, at least on paper, totally devoid of early speed. Uh, this horse, uh, last time out at Gulfstream, uh, first off the layoff and then open 16,000 claimer, uh, went to the lead through relatively easy enough fractions, 48 and one, one, 12 and three. And race was just a little bit too long for him it was a mile and an eighth, uh, gets to go a mile on the 16th today. And the Monmouth turf has generally played, uh, pretty fairly. You could steal it on the front end. You could close from the back. Um, and I think in a paceless race, I, I think this horse could very well just go and, and steal it um, coming in from uh, warmer Florida. It's going to be a nice balmy, I think, what, 75, 80 degrees on Saturday. So I getting away from the humidity down there, uh, I think will be uh, beneficial for this horse. And really with, with me spreading in all of the other legs, the only way I'd be able to afford the sequence is if I were single to, to this horse. Now, the two horses that I'd be kind of afraid of are the three on the couch and the six birds I view. Um, for on the couch, uh, this horse had a perfect trip last time. Uh, yeah, the fractions were a little slow, but it was a good turf, so they're bound to be slower anyway. But uh, this horse kind of sat in the back, came right up the rail. Again, Red Sea parted for him. Uh, he didn't have to take any ground loss. He, he really got uh, uh, a great trip, um, inside trip there. So I would kind of uh, downgrade him uh, off of trip handicapping. But Jose Delgado, uh, kind of a little bit the new Navarro. I think he used to work for him in the past. Uh, so since he just claimed them last out, that leads me to think he'll probably, uh, you know, be able to, to step this horse up a bit. So I'm a little worried just on that factor, but off the just off the trip in the last race, I probably wouldn't play him back uh, just because things went so easy for him. And then the uh, the six bird's eye view had a little bit of uh, traffic trouble on the last one. Coming into the stretch was off his gate a little bit. And then when he started rolling at the end, he didn't finish all that far behind um, on the couch. Uh, so I'm willing to give him a, a second shot over the turf course, but again, the way this, this rate, the pace sets up, I, I really think I have to single the seven. Um, and just a little bit note here, uh, on the number four trilogy, uh, if you look back to, uh, May 14th at Pimlico in the first race that day, and you look all the way to the right in the comment lines, you'll see a horse who ran third in that race. He, he, that's the one of the best favorites there in his career, but in that race, a horse named Awari Sky ran third, uh, and this horse was beat, uh, Trilogy was beaten, uh, was eighth beaten five lengths in that race, and I just wanted to, you know, just point that out there, that Awari Sky is probably a pretty good horse. But... <laughs> that, that, that horse's name rings a bell. It's 
Did you have anything to do with that horse? No, I think I might have now. <laughs> Boy, it seems like many moons ago. Just... <laughs> many dollars ago. You and your uncle were did yeoman's work with uh, Omari Sky, patience of a saint through COVID and all other kind of, you could write a book just on the the ups and downs of uh, horse racing and, and, and horse ownership. So yeah, thanks for mentioning that. And it's apropos that uh, Unwari Sky's name shows up here as, as we're uh, doing uh, the handicapping. So uh, I'm gonna uh, just pay, piggyback on what Brian said. I like the six for the for the reasons that Brian gave. You know, a little traffic trouble uh, in his last race at the same level, and he's got, he has history. Uh, I mean, none of these horses are really. You get to the winter circle at a high rate; they're all about ten percent or less uh, getting to the winter circle. But he's got two two wins out of six starts on the Mammoth Turf. Uh, and I, I just think, um, you know, coming, coming back after being beaten favorite, uh, that he'll, with a cleaner trip, uh, he should be right there. Now, I'm going to throw a, a little uh, water on Brian's um, pace scenario, because I also thought that Mir Miracle Silver, the seven horse, was going to be lone speed. And then I turned the page and looked at number eight, Six Sider. Six Sider is a sprinter that doesn't show early speed, but when you're talking about now going the distance, you know, a horse that uh, is a couple lengths back going 47, going six, could be on the lead. And the horse has been on the turf 19 times in its path in the past with a, a few wins, only two wins. So I did some digging and poor Six Sider, he, first of all, he last won um, nearly two years ago at um, the famed racetrack, uh, Arapo. Have you ever been there, Brian? You've been to probably more tracks than anybody alive other than your uncle. Have you ever uh, frequented Arapo? Arapahoe, no, I have not been there, but I did fly over it on approach to Denver International Airport, so I did get a nice picture of it from the plane, I think, uh, last year, but no, I have not been there. All right, how about Arizona Downs? Nope, not there uh, either. Well, that, that was the second, that was the before winning at Arapahoe, um, uh, six-sider won at Arizona Downs. Both of those were springing on the dirt. You have to go back to 2018 at Golden Gate, going a mile on the turf at this level, six-sider went gate to water. So I think because of that possibility, six-sider might have something to say about uh, this race. Um, so I, I backpedaled off of the, the Miracle Silver loan speed and went with uh the six but if either the seven 
uh, Miracle Silver or the eight six-sider scratch, I'll also include them uh, as uh, in, in my pick five. So uh, six, uh, including the seven or the eight, if either one of those are scratched. Eric? Well, neither of you mentioned the probable winner of this race, so I'll get to that horse in a moment. I'm going to play against favorites in this race, at least the morning line favorites. Uh, Brian kind of made the case for me. The three on the couch had, you know, the great, not great setup. It was an even setup. It didn't favor closers last out May 22nd. Didn't favor speed. It was kind of an even race. It could have been anywhere. But as he said, uh, I think he used the analogy, the Red Sea parted, snuck through the rail. I mean, do you want to take a short price on a closer who in a race where maybe there isn't any pace here? And last time he was able to sneak, sneak through on a rail and get like a, a perfect trip in the way and barely win. I don't want that horse. I'm not saying the three on the couch can't win, but I don't want any part of him at nine to five. So he's off my ticket. The six, I don't like for similar reasons. I know Brian mentioned some trouble. Maybe I'll watch the replay again, but my comment was the traffic was basically nothing and he had room and he just had nothing. Um, and he saved ground at a very good trip overall. So I don't like the six, especially if I, and listen, maybe the seven and eight getting a duel like unexpectedly or somewhat expectedly that like GQ mentioned it's possible that, was the thought of mine also. I wasn't sure what the eight would do. I'm kind of in between you guys. I can't decide uh, what he'll do, but I'm against the six. So if that's the second choice, I'm happy about that. So I'm going against those horses. I am going to use a seven. I usually don't like using horses I don't like, but they project to be possible lone speed. But I'm going to use this one because I'm already tossing the two favorites here. And if he gets alone on the lead, the seven miracle sky, I guess he could be tough here. But again, he at least he was going against a little better last time. Uh, slight drop here. The uh, the horse that you guys didn't mention, a couple of them that I'm going to be using, um, the five Thurman Park, Thurman Park. I don't know how to say it. That's the horse who I'm going to bet vertically to win at ten to one. Uh, if there's exchange wagering at like ten to one or something like that, I'll I'll take my stab there. I don't love the horse. Don't get me wrong, but this horse is dropping, um, and I think that's enough here because I don't really like too many horses. So it's nothing clever but he's just run consistently against better horses. Now, the last couple of races don't look good, but Chewback was off the turf, so I would ignore that race. He's not really a dirt horse. You can look at his dirt form. It's pretty bad. And then last race, I can't read what I wrote. Oh, last race, he had a really bad start. So just ignore that. I mean, it was really bad. I just said ignore race. So, And that was against better. So if you toss the last two races, I mean, he's coming off of 74, 75 buyers. I don't think he ran great in them, but they're against better horses. So... I just think the drop's good. If you look at the three horse on the couches, PPs, you know, last race, two back, he ran at Gulfstream against 20,000 open claimer. You know, he didn't show anything. And then he dropped to this level and he wins the race. This horse is running against maybe not as good, but similar and actually ran a little better than the three horse. And now he's dropping for the first time to this level. So anyway, I, I don't love the five, but I think he's, I honestly think a gun to my head if I had to pick a winner, I'd pick the five. So if I'm getting 10 to one, Again, I'm not in love, but that, I think that price is insane, and I hope I get it. Uh, so I'm going to use the five as my main horse here. I'll probably press with the five, but I'm going to use a seven. I'm actually going to use a one. I was thinking I wasn't going to use the one, but if the three and the six are the odds that the morning line is suggesting, and you guys haven't mentioned the one, then maybe I will get a price on the one. He's coming out of the same race. Um, he was a little tight uh, that May 22nd race uh, that on the couch one that Bird's Eye View was in that I didn't think ran all that well. Uh, he was a little tight um, at the top of the stretch. Not much punch at the end, but at least he ran two to three wide the whole race. So, again, I don't love him, 
he would be like a reluctant throw in, but uh, I can spread here a little bit, I think, for at least the 50 cents. Uh, he's run well enough in the past to win this. Like I said, at least he had a little bit of a tougher trip than the, uh, the other two. And I'm probably going to throw in the four also. He can sit a little close. I can see him being in third behind the seven and the eight. Uh, he's got a little more speed than these deep closers that are in this race. Uh, he was not good his last turf race. That was October 15th at the Meadowlands. But before that, he was pretty good. And they gave him some time off after that. So maybe something happened. You know, maybe he doesn't like the Meadowlands. Brian can talk if he wants about it. But, you know, to me, the Meadowlands seems like it's a different turf course. I'm not an expert, but they seem to run a lot faster on that course. So maybe it's like thinner, maybe because it's colder out. It's more like know, ice, obviously, but, you know, it's harder turf. So maybe they just run a lot faster. Maybe he didn't take to it. And that explains the not a great race uh, when he lost to poke, go poke the bear a few back at the Meadowlands. But again, take out that race. He's as good as anyone. So I actually like the four and five the most. So those are my main two. And then I'm going to throw in the one seven as well. So I'll be four deep most likely here. Yeah, the Meadowlands also tends to be a little bit lower in uh, the quality of the fields, say, compared to the Mammoth as well. So maybe that that's another. <laughs> All right. So uh I don't know, uh, Brian. If you if you wish to uh, partake in, in uh, structuring a, a ticket, uh, you can at this particular point in time. Um, if not, uh, if you have any final thoughts, uh, well, one final thought has to do with the opening leg of the sequence. Now, I think uh, physical handicapping is really going to affect how I play this ticket. Um, in the claiming races at Mammoth, you really can get a good feel for how a horse is going to run based on how they look in the post parade, uh, particularly in these, like I said, in these types of races at Mammoth. Um, so if you see a horse that you really like that is frothing or has kidney sweat or just looks nervous, uh, feel free to toss it, especially if it's, you know, one of the contenders that's on your tickets. I, I, I would feel comfortable tossing at that point. But if you see a, a horse that, you know, you really like, it's on its toes, the ears are, are moving around, you know, the horse is curious and the horse is a good muscle definition. You know, if they just have that look, you know, and, and they're not in your, your tickets, I would consider throwing them in there. Uh, you know, just, just classic physical handicapping that, you know, take a look at that first leg and, and see how that could um, impact the way you structure your tickets. That's my advice. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and that is the one advantage of, you know, at the beginning of, you know, the, the, you know, first leg, if you don't have a strong opinion, you can see, see them on the track and either toss or, or include. So yeah, it's a, it's great advice. Um, well, Brian, Hey, that, thanks a lot for coming on. It's always great talking to you, especially when we're dealing with Mammoth. Uh, Best of luck to you uh, this weekend. I'm sure you'll run into Eric if he plans on being there. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah. And another fellow Wasabi, uh, Tom Arisman, another friend, uh, Wasabi friend, friend of the show. And also, gosh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Wasabi had a horse at uh, Canterbury on Wednesday night. Bootleg and Posse won by a pole uh, made off, off the claim. And um, it looked like uh, half of Minnesota was in the winter circle. So kudos to uh, the Canterbury that. Club at uh, 
uh, wasabi. Um, those folks really turn out and support horse racing, and and it's always nice to see horses that they're in one win and get to the winner circle. So, uh, again, uh, ha have a great summer, Brian. Thanks again for coming on and sharing your thoughts. Uh, Mammoth and uh, Eric, I'll let you close it out as we're pretty much on schedule with uh, what's going oh, I, on. Brian, I have one more thought right? I forgot to put out there. <laughs> it relates to fixed odds. Eric, you might be interested in hearing this. Um, so while I haven't totally you know been immersed in fixed odds i'm mostly sitting out in my seat in the grandstand which is kind of hard to, to follow and if i had to run downstairs and place a fixed odds bet but what i've noticed is that if you like a long shot say if it's 10 to 1 on the morning line right and it's kind of trending around there 10 to 1 8 to 1 often what will happen as you go up to post time and say if you lock it in at 10 to 1 right your horse is going to be 21 to 1 as the as the the, as the, the gates fly open. So I've noticed that fixed odds hasn't really been as, unless you think the odds are going to drop, but more often than not, I've seen them go up. So trying to bet fixed odds on long shots probably isn't, you know, the best strategy. I would probably prefer parimutuel for that. But if you, if the horse is at like four to one and you think the horse is going to drift down to five to two, Go ahead and, and and if you think that horse is either lone speed or likely to win, go ahead and, and and bet that horse if you want to. I think it's better for like the lukewarm choices toward the favorites are going to be bet down. But I also haven't noticed too many instances of late odds changes in Monmouth. The mm -hmm. money kind of stays, there might be a few changes, but the money kind of stays the same. But it's not like, you know, computer betters are completely screwing up, you know, the pool like you <laughs> see. I haven't seen that lately. So you, you, there, there is a time and a place for fixed odds. It's not all the time. Well, the good thing is now, um, well, you can look at the will pace to get an idea of what the actual parimutuel odds will be. And a lot of ADWs, I know DRF bets, they give you projected odds that are pretty good based on a few factors, but mostly the will pace. So you can kind of get an idea. And it can always fluctuate, but so if you do like that 10 to one, like you said, um, you can kind of get from your ADW or looking at the doubles or triple uh, pick three will pays what that horse will pay. So you might have a sense that it's going to go up and it won't be worth it. So, you know, one thing, I don't know that I'm going to do the fixed odds betting at all or much, but um, you know, one thing I'll do is I will look at what the projected odds are and the fixed odds. And, you know, if I see a horse that's projected to go off six to one and the fixed odds are 10 or 12 to one, you know, that's something I have to think about if I like the horse at all. So that, that's probably how I'll do it if I do it at all. So, uh, but that's a good point to keep in mind that, you know, just because it says on the tote board, uh, the parimutuel odds, it could change. And Brian's saying a lot of them have gone up and with the long shots, you're not getting the value in the fixed odds. But, you know, definitely look at the will pays before you go betting fixed odds because it'll give you an idea what the parimutuel is. And you can see, are you in the third choice in the doubles in the parimutuel? It's a fifth choice in the fixed odds. And, you know, James, are you getting value with the fixed odds? And it's a third choice in the fixed odds, but he's a sixth choice in the doubles. You're probably not getting value. So you can get some ideas there uh, for those who actually will be on track. But anyway, thanks for the little heads up there. And again, appreciate it. Like GQ said, uh, appreciate you joining the show. Uh, we kept it under an hour and a half. I'll give you that. But we still went a little long. An hour 26 or so by my clock. An hour 27. Sorry, we're trying to cut down, but we'll get there. So Good luck this weekend, Brian. I'll see you in a couple days. GQ, good luck this weekend to you. All our listeners, next week we'll be back with some Belmont Stakes previewing and a big card that day. Hopefully they get some decent field sizes. Brian was excited about the Ogden Phipps, I think, before the show he was saying. So 
we'll we'll get some good uh, female horses running, if nothing else. Good luck this weekend. Ta-ta.